Hey everybody, welcome once again to Rise of the GM, where today we're talking about the Forbidden Library. We're going to talk about a blessed, energetic child and all about campaign structure and pacing right here on Rise of the GM. Well, Adam, it is good to be back here again today, and uh, we are thick in the midst of like all of that stuff that has to happen just before spring break. I'm sure you're there, too, even though this is not the week before spring break. We have what? Not this week and next week, but the following week. Yeah, it's the following I, I'm, week. I've lost up, track. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's mid March. Yeah, it's mid March. It's the second week of March that our spring break is. Is that the same as yours yep. this week? Yep, same and one. all of you out there who just work all the time and never get a spring break, sorry about you. Uh, no, that's, that's really mean, but, uh, I am sorry about you. I'm sorry. Sorry that you don't get a spring break. Uh, I remember when I first, uh, I had a job for just a little bit. It was a real job. So if, for those of you who don't know, I did a bachelor's degree and a master's degree. And then I taught at Purdue for uh, seven years or eight years, whatever it was. And I had a, you know, all those breaks and stuff. And then there was a little time in there where I was marketing director for a bank and it hit me that I only got off like Thanksgiving day and Christmas, maybe I got two days for Thanksgiving. I can't even remember. And then like two days for Christmas. And that was it. I didn't get spring break. I didn't get a week for Thanksgiving. I didn't get like all the little, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. Day and you know whatever. I didn't get all those days and I didn't have off you know, <laughs> three months in the summer. Well, I don't have off three months in the summer now, but that three months, it's slower. Uh, but I didn't have all those breaks. And so uh, it was like, I'm like, why would I ever do this? And so I went back to a job that was on a college schedule. So those of you who are like working uh, for the man, I get it. You know, you're, you're, you're working every day and that's hard to hear people talk yeah, yeah. about spring break, but we are getting ready for a spring break and uh, it's busy working up to it. And then we have that time off anyway, all that to say, things have been kind of busy here, but uh, we hope you're doing well. We are today going to talk about an encounter. We're going to talk about uh, some campaign structure thoughts and ideas on pacing and structure for sessions and campaigns. And we're going to talk about an NPC. So let's start with our encounters. We usually do. Adam's going to be doing that for us today. Adam, What's our encounter? And, you know, we keep meaning when we do this dungeon influence thing, which we're doing today, uh, I keep meaning to get that picture and put it oh, yeah, on yeah, here yeah. and yeah. flash it up, but I, I forgot. Yeah. So we're not doing that yeah, today. Can, but you what is our... Their, you can go to their Instagram. You can scroll yeah. through. I will say it's a little out of order when they, they're not all, like, exactly in order. So you had to dig for a little bit, but there's good stuff in there. Yep. It's good to dig. Um, I do want to say one thing before I jump into the encounter. Um, we're moving into pretty shortly into a time when it's going to look a little different for the releases of the video and the podcast. We'll have next week will be another live on Thursday. Just and like then this one. The next week there will be nothing happen that's on YouTube at least and on the podcast. And then from that point on for a handful of weeks we'll have uh like pre-recorded talks that we've had me and matthew have had um that'll drop like every other week for about it's about over the course of like seven weeks so there'll be three of those and then three we'll get back to normal schedule um about that time so just so you know um we've said it a few times but uh, i'm planning on trying to be on to chat during those even though it's not actually live so we won't be responding 
like this to you all, like we get to. And I think Matthew mentioned this when we did a pre-record the other day, but we really missed that interaction. So we really love having you all in the chat. Um, one other thing I want to say is I'm considering doing some like live Instagram uh like talks that are very short, not like an hour and a half like this, but um, I'd love to hear your feedback on if you'd be more interested in hearing a live talk about something game related, or if you'd rather just have like reels that are kind of pre-recorded too. So feel free to talk into that as we're doing this today. Um, so for the encounter, again, this is One Dungeon encounter. Influence, Dungeon Influence, and this is Game Hook 196, real short, but just a hook that you can put in your games. The forbidden knowledge you seek can be found in an old library within a mountain. Each book is guarded by a spectral librarian. Gamehook 196. So we got this ancient library and all the books have their own kind of guardian on them. What would you do with it? What would I do with it? Well, I would probably first of all i like that it's in a mountain and there would be like the struggle to get to the mountain and to get into the library because i imagine it's not just completely open um but then the real test comes when they go to try and find the book they're looking for right. and uh i would probably make it so that they had to like uh find one book in order to find the book that they're actually looking for. Um, and so they would have to deal with at least two spectral librarians. Uh, and I would give them different, um, just, just personally, this is all totally off the top of my head. I did not, <laughs> not get a chance to sit down and think about this as I went. But like I would probably give the two spectral librarians that I chose, or if you really wanted to put them on a little uh, chase, you could have like, you know, look up this title and they find that title and it basically tells them they have to find another title. And maybe it's a riddle they have to solve for what the next mm -hmm. title is. And then they go to that one and then maybe it sends them to one more place. And then I would that would oh, be enough. Cool. And then that would be the book that they have to get. But they would have to face three spectral, or if you only wanted to do two, two spectral librarians. And I would give them very different personalities. Think uh, yeah. think Ebenezer Scrooge and the ghost of Christmas oh, yeah, past, yeah. Christmas present, Christmas future, like in the uh, the Muppet one. Uh, uh -huh. I don't know. I, I'm trying to remember back. Uh, I don't remember distinct personalities too much in the uh, actual book, except for, you know, the Grim mm. Reaper one, but in, yeah, yeah. in the, the Muppet one, you know, there's that like child, like kind of very fey and fairy. And then there's that yeah, dude yeah. who's like real big, but he keeps getting smaller. It's the, the mm. ghost of Christmas present. And he's yeah. like super jolly and like a dwarf. And he's like, <laughs> at first he's like a giant, but uh, he's laughing and all of this. And then the last one's like, you know, doesn't say a word. He just points, you know, the Grim Reaper. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I would give him three different, very different personalities and not necessarily mirroring those but maybe one that's trickster one that's really serious and one that's like uh i don't know i'm i'm just you know trying to come up with something i'm th trying to think of one like that super jovial you know um, uh -huh. like like the ghost of christmas present was but i would i would then have those three spectrals uh, and they would have to have something to appease them to let you take the book because they're you know as a librarian they're not necessarily like a, a guardian spirit that's going to slay you just for touching the book that's at least in my mind you could make them that because you're the yeah. gm you can do whatever you want uh, <laughs> but in my mind they're like the librarian and they're like uh you can't take that book and 
less you, and it would be like what's analogous to checking the book out, you know, mm-hmm. in this spirit, this spectral spirits world. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. Maybe you'd have to like do something to appease them. Maybe uh, that's uh, something you have that you give them, or maybe that's something you have to do. Uh, in order to get right. to that book. And so it could even be one of these things where you have to leave the library and come back with something having been done or gotten and proffered to them. Um, so you can make that encounter uh, more than just like, okay, you went in and there's this this thing and you fight it and you get a book. Okay, well, maybe it's not a fight yeah, yeah. at all. Maybe it's a, uh, you must bring me the heads of three cows. Okay, that would be like, how do you go out and <laughs> kill three cows and not have the farmers get mad at you? And that's kind of gruesome. Uh, or right, yeah. maybe it's, you know, maybe it's something uh, less gruesome about some task or uh, thing that you have to accomplish. And then you come mm-hmm. back with something to show that you accomplished that, something to give that spectral librarian in order to, quote, check the book out. That means get it yeah, off yeah. the shelf, read it, find out what you need to know. And then you don't get to keep the book because you'll always have one person in your party who's that like, I love magical things and I love books. I'm putting that <laughs> in my sack. And you're like... Yeah, you try to put it in your sack and leave in the Spectral Library and like traps you or pulls that out or does yeah. something, you know, if you try to go past the door, threshold of the door with it. Right, yeah. So, yeah, I think there could be really cool fun to build up and have in a library where every book has its own Spectral Library and you have to deal with them. And right, yeah. again, I would make it so you have to at least deal with two or three and not mm. just one. Yeah, 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 I like that. Uh it's kind of as a side thing that came up with that, but I, I am a fan and I don't, I wouldn't want to do this all the time. I wouldn't want to be heavy handed with this. Um, Cause I think it can go too far, but I do like the idea when there, there are, there are powers in the world that are just, they're just too strong for you, you know, kind of thing. And like, I think that's okay. Like I think about um, uh, like Tom Bombadil and, the fellowship of the ring is just like unaffected by the ring completely. You know, it's like just how this is hilarious and has no effect on me. And I'm not even considering it. Here you go. Have it back kind of thing. Um, uh, or maybe more modernly, like there is a, uh, I think about like the Loki series, the time um, they, when they have like the time caller on, they can just like push the button. It's it like brings them back. It's like, you can't do anything because if they hit that button, you're just shot back to where you were, you know, like 10 seconds mm-hmm. before him, um, things like that. Like I wouldn't want to do that to players all the time, but I think there are, there just are beings in the world that are stronger. I think God should work that way. And I think there could be even seeing that a little bit, you're talking about like, okay, you can't just steal all the books. There are reasons for that. There are things that have been put into play um, for that, but, I actually really, I like the idea a lot of the kind of running them through multiple people. I love the idea of like the different personalities. I almost wonder about, uh, and this kind of gets into the intelligent item situation, but um, uh, like if they are able to take a book, they're able to take one book. You know, I, I'm even like a throwback to your like arch in the dormant mind that you could go and like once a year you could ask one person could ask one question and get the complete truth from it, you know, kind of thing. Um, if it's one of those situations where you have come into this, this sacred library and you, what you need, and they were talking in the chat about like, you need to have a good reason. The reason is like, we have to have this information for this. 
So you fought your way into the library through traps and other guardians and other people who want the the library in the the knowledge from this library and you're able to select after talking through these guardians i'm going to take this book because we need it and now you have a spectral guardian who is always popping up because it's connected to the book that you're now uh, carrying around the world so you know kind of thing you take the book and the spectral guardian yeah. comes with it okay. yeah and and they could be super annoying <laughs> or, you know, they, they could be a, a foil for the party, you know, and, um, or they could be helpful in the, in the mean, you know, in, in that too. I think that, I that'd like be an interesting way. Better. Yeah, I, I do too. I, that's the way I would go. <laughs> what GM um, doesn't. For right? sure. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> anyway to, uh, to like, you know, needle your people. But I, I like that idea too of one being like a minimal. I have this issue too. When I see a library and I, I've seen it with other people too, it's like, here are all these books. And I'm just like, bag of holding, you know, like throw them all in there. And then you're asking the GM like, all right, what's this book? What's this book? What's this book? And you're having to come up with all these things. I, I think partially to be maybe more efficient as a creative in those moments, don't let them take a hundred books from the library. And it also makes it more special too. And, it, and it's like, this is a very unique piece of of information or of a relic that we need kind of deal. So um, that's my thoughts on it. Yeah. And I would say that as they try to and take all those yeah. books, man, just these spectral, the, the room that's where the guardians fills yeah. with these guardians and like craziness happening to you. And uh, you, you don't just take books and run. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it reminds I, me of a, I did a campaign where I had a dream sanctuary and it was uh, every bottle in this, in this sanctuary held a, a dream uh, of someone and they had to go and find a particular dream but this place was being smashed and burned down by someone yeah that's and, right. and so all these bottles were breaking and these dreams were just flying everywhere and it was chaos and uh i think some of that chaos is it could be yeah. recreated here if somebody oh, yeah, had to yeah, take yeah. several yeah. several books you get chaos uh, yep so. what Ty hotel says maybe you can have the book choose the person that needs it and other books will reject them so if you're yeah. trying to take it they're they're rejecting you in the the middle of that it's cool and rejecting means you can't even pull the book off the shelf you're like yeah oh. <laughs> mm -hmm. it's like nope yeah that's cool i love it all right well uh there you go dream i mean dream sanctuary <laughs> there you go forbidden library maybe that's something you can use in your game and you can get back with us and tell us how you used it how it went and what exactly happened and then we'll have more to use in our campaigns yeah, so yeah. we'd love to hear about that yeah. As we're kind of moving on into our main topic today, um, what we're looking at is narrative structure, narrative structure, pacing and spotlighting uh, within a campaign. Um, and this is uh, another one that was kind of like asked for early on, like really early in the podcast, there was a, you know, I kind of like threw out a question of like, what are you interested in? And this one popped up for that. And we're kind of to that at this point after kind of going through the world building stuff and, you know, the like looking at how to plan a session and an arc and a, a whole campaign and kind of just kind of coming back to this and, and looking at some of these ideas that we've kind of hit on a little bit, but haven't quite focused in on. So um, that's kind of the, the idea here today is just to talk about how we have done this um, and to just dig a little bit deeper, you know, in on these ideas. So um, 
one of the things that I was kind of thinking through this week in terms of this was um, I wanted to talk about really briefly some idea about like, how do we do this even within a session? Because I think it can be broadened out into the campaign if we understand maybe a little bit smaller of a of a situation. And and I guess like the first question I have, you know, this is just like a little bit of quick brainstorming back and forth. But um, when you think of like a session, Matthew, what what's like elements that kind of come to mind if we're like maybe just the puzzle pieces of a session, sticking them together to make a whole one? Obviously, it has a uh, some to do with where my players are and what's going on. But yeah. the elements, the basic elements of what can happen in a campaign, you've got, okay, sometimes travel. Okay, so they may mm -hmm. be having to go overland or go overseas or, or yep. you know, walk from one town to another. There's There can be a travel element that sometimes you will have to put in as a building block. Uh, there are uh, obviously battles. Uh, mm -hmm. those are the things that characters look forward to when you say roll initiative, roll those dice and, and they go, there are social encounters, uh, mm -hmm. when there has to be like some talking of some sort happen before a battle or, you know, instead of a battle. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes those social encounters will also include things like, uh, skill challenges and skill rolling, mm -hmm. sneaking about, you know, those sorts of things, uh, will have to happen. And so when I'm sitting down to plan my session, first of all, I have to decide where are they and what's like the next thing coming. But uh, sometimes it'll have to include how do they get there? What's yeah. the preamble to? Uh, generally, I try to have a battle almost every session. You wanna, some often I will have more than one battle, uh, but rarely is there gonna be a session where we sit down and we talk the entire time and never do I say roll dice. And yeah. so, uh, in thinking about that, I like to vary it. Um, and, uh, I have kind of infamously, and I'm not the only one, but infamously sat down and started a session with, hi guys, roll initiative. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> like right. very first thing. And they're like, what? And then they're all like super excited <laughs> because usually that's not the way I do it. That's like an out of the ordinary sort of thing where it's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, maybe I would start it with, uh, you step into the room, roll initiative, you know, and they yeah, yeah. have to go, uh, Often, though, it will be like, okay, last time you guys were doing this and you ended here. Uh, and then it's like, I, I'll ask them, what do you do next? And I'm kind of ready with some of those puzzle pieces in order, depending on what they're going to do. And so right, I yeah. think before going on any further, I think that's kind of the, the question you asked was, what are some of the elements? Yeah. And, and some of those big building blocks are the blocks we're going to have now. Mm -hmm. What were you going to go to next? Yeah, no, no, that's, yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, just like, I think thinking through some of those things, you know, um, I don't think there's an equation by any means. And it's almost the like, never let them know what you're going to do next kind of situation where you don't want to get into this habit of like, okay, combat, social encounter, combat, social encounter, combat. So like that, that eventually will feel pretty repetitive. Um, but I do, you said the word varied, and I think that's really important with these building blocks and these, these elements. So, you know, just things like you said these, but, um, uh, social encounters, combat, um, character to character role playing, I think is an element that kind of fits outside of social encounters, social encounters for me 
and those skill challenges feels a little more like NPC to character. Um, mm -hmm. So character to character role playing and like having uh, uh, those opportunities for them to do that. Um, one piece I kind of named here is like even like setting explanation um, of, or I think there's probably a better way to say that, but you're coming into a new place and the DM time to say, you know, you, you crest this hill and before you is this wide open grassland dotted with large boulders. And as you look at that, the sun is coming up and the dew is twinkling on the grass, you know, like you don't want to get too, too crazy. I don't think, cause your people might start zoning out, but um, <laughs> that's, I like to have those moments too. I think that's an element that can happen. Um, but like broadening out more, you know, you have like your main story or character stories that were um, uh, bringing in or side quests to maybe use that term travel, like you said, um, downtime. Um, that's a thing, too. And I forget right. about downtime a lot. That's a thing I, I would like to give space for. And I tend to be, it all, it all gets urgent and it's like, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. And then I forget about, oh, people may want to like go and learn how to, you know, make something or craft some things. Um, and then kind of two, one, two that were just a little more like narrative, um, but I still feel like are good elements to think on are like the reveals. And before that, the foreshadowing, you know, where there's like, those kind of get brought in and we can think about how those all gather together and how you can vary those, you know, to, to make a, a more interesting game. So I really wanted to think on, you know, those as I was trying to like, think about how do I actually do this? Um, and, you know, I do, I just want to kick to the chat here for a second as I'm kind of doing that of just like talking about role-playing zero battles, um, that combat, um, just kind of reading through this, uh, combat's always best when role play is added in. I, I do like those like holistic kind of feel to things. Um, a thing that I think maybe is different with, with me and you a little bit, Matthew, and it's not, it's not really intentional as I do have, I've noticed that I do have a lot of sessions where I'm like, Oh shoot, I didn't have them roll anything. And that, that never is like my intent. You know, that's the thing I think like my intent is never like, Oh yeah, this is going to be like solely role playing. Um, so I'm glad to hear Josh say, you know, some of my favorite are that maybe that's been in some of my games. I don't know, but, um, you know, that, that's not intentional. Um, but it does happen for me, I think more often, but I do like to get to have action <laughs> of combat kind of come into that too. So, um, any other elements that you thought of that kind of are part of that? Well, now I, I think we've we've listed most of the elements. Um, again, I might be able to think of something else if I were actually in a game or thinking through a campaign. Yeah. But I think right. yeah, you've listed a lot of those, mm -hmm. and so it's a matter of as a as a new GM, uh, and I'm sitting down. I'm like, okay, how do I begin to structure? Uh, yeah. I feel like a session in itself is easier for me to like see the structure that has to be. Uh, I feel like if I were a new GM where I would have more trouble is like, okay, I know my campaign is going to end here. It's going to start here. I know a couple big points. How do I, how do I pace and structure this whole thing as we go? Mm -hmm. uh, 
but maybe maybe it's uh, one of those things where uh, a session can be a little bit harder for people. It's like, okay, how do I how do I decide what I'm going to do during a session? And uh, so I don't know if you want to if you do want to speak into that session thing yeah, first, right, or or speak right. more about the campaign as you're talking about these ideas of pacing and structure. Yeah, um, I think I think with the just like session by session kind of time the thing I would, I would say is like to bring in, I'm stealing your word again, but just that intentional about varying the experience I think is, is helpful. Um, because the thing that I, I feel, I think a lot of times as a player, not a lot of times when it's happened, I guess I should say, or I notice it more as the GM or I'm like, I feel like I'm losing people is, when things just get slow and that really can happen in any of those elements. It's not like, Oh man, combat is always so right. fast. And like, you know, uh, that's, that's where the energy and part of this is like, okay, what kind of fun drives you and what kind of hat do you like to wear? You know, I think that those things are gonna, gonna affect things, but, um, like combat can get slow. I think we've all been in a slog of a battle, you know, before where it's like, or it's like, you know, I, I've been in situations where I'm like, I like left for some reason and came back and it's still not my turn. Like what in the world? <laughs> yeah, it's those kind of things. But RP, if it's like constant and um, had that situation where uh, I've talked about where, you know, you all were um, at this like wedding banquet and everybody was kind of taking turns going through. And I'm like, okay, in the same way, it's almost like initiative some of these people who have been waiting for 45 minutes to talk to their person, like that's probably not been that fun for them. So how do I fix that? Um, so I think like worrying could being concerned about the pacing of that is like an important thing to me where all of those elements we need to, to like consider, okay, if combat's like a massive slog right now, what, what needs to happen? Like, does it need to, do I need to edit a little bit of, okay, that group of, you know, hobgoblins that was about to run in from the other room maybe does not need to make an appearance right now because it's just going to add more hit points to the, to the mix, you know, or do I need to start making more like uh cinematic, uh, like finishing moves on these people <laughs> to, to like make that faster, you know, make the, make the battle end a little quicker uh, in the same way, like RP, if it's just kind of like hoeing and humming and, you know, not really a lot of happening, we can probably more, more descriptively say like, this is kind of how this conversation went and move on with that kind of thing. So I, I think about those things a lot. I don't know if does that bring anything to mind as you're, Kind of yeah, I think, too. I think with any of this, uh, again, remember that your job as the GM is varied. One part is facilitating and uh, one part is uh, making sure that, uh, that you have a story in mind to tell. But remember that any of these elements is also part of your storytelling. And yeah, so right. when I say any of these elements, it's like you said, combat can become just this drudgery, right? Okay, you roll. Okay, I roll thirteen d six. It's this. All right, you do this much damage. All right, what do you what do you do? I hit with my sword. All right, roll. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah and it, right. and it can become like boring. Your job is to make this 
like you said, cinematic, uh, and that can happen in the combat. Uh, we have somebody in the chat who just says, can you talk more about free time? I'm trying not to always um, force something to happen, uh, but allow the players to interact and guide, but then that can get to be these long lengths of silence. Okay, so one thing I like to do, especially about free time, is uh, and this comes to structure. I usually don't put my free time in the middle of my encounter. Um, so that we start with something that I'm like, okay, you guys have free time. What do you do? Because they're just like, oh, what do I do? Maybe they've had something in mind. Maybe one of them has had something in mind. The rest are like, I don't know. I go to a tavern and drink, you know, and, uh, and they, they just maybe don't know what that's going to look like because they Mm -hmm. haven't thought about it. What I typically do is I'll have like a, maybe I'll start with a a battle and then have some travel and some talking and social interaction and then maybe a a big battle. And then at the, at the end, I'm like, and you guys are wore out, but you're entering this town. Uh, You're going to spend two days here. I want you to think about what you're going to do. And I want everyone uh, to tell me what it is you think you're going to plan to do, or in the next day, text me what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And then they do that. And then when we come together next time, I'm going to start my session by doing like cinematic spotlight flashes. And again, it's all about keeping the camera moving. You think about camera is basically attention. When you're watching a movie, the camera, wherever the camera points, that's where your attention is. So you're going to point that at camera. You're going to move that attention uh, among the various stories, um, and give some like cinematic high points of those. So it's like, okay, you said in your text that you wanted to like, you know, go out and work in the field of your, of your, uh, friend and help him get this stuff, whatever his crop in, (laughs) that would be the most boring thing, but, uh, you can, you can, you can say, yeah, as you're out there getting the crop in, uh, one day, you know, a donkey falls and breaks its leg and you're out in the middle of the field. What are you going to do? And then, you know, I don't know. That's like a really weird kind of spot to point the camera. But someone else that. is like, you want to you want to go and find uh, a certain kind of dagger to buy. Uh, you go to the first shop and the guy uh, talks you talk to. He doesn't even have it. Uh, you go to three more shops, but you finally get to a fourth shop and you see hanging in the, you know, behind the guy on the wall. There's the dagger that you've been looking for. But this guy doesn't look like you really likes to deal with people. He, he doesn't even look like he cares to sell anything. Right. You walk into the shop, what happens? And they walk in and they start their talking and you can be, you know, the gruff guy and give them just, don't make it too long. And, and it's all about buying this thing. They said they wanted to find this dagger in, mm-hmm. in their text. And then this other person in their text said, I, I want to spend some time at the temple. I just need to recenter. And I want to try to talk to somebody from my order and find out what's going on here. And so you give them a quick synopsis of what it's like to come in and spend some days there. And you get that sense of meditation and sitting on the bed. And then uh, you know, a, as they're sitting there and the, the peace starts to flow in, the door opens and it's their long lost mentor who steps in and says, I hear you've been asking about so-and-so. And then you get, mm. you drop that conversation in and you let that yeah. be quick. But again, it's like, you're going to paint a cinematic picture. Uh, what I would do anyway, you're, I'm going to paint a cinematic picture of what each one said. And then this moment of interactivity, uh, where I drop it in their lap give them the chance to kind of what they've been thinking about (laughs) since last week. And then uh, I'm going to quickly shift the camera. I'm going to be like, and then you, you were doing so-and-so and and then you, you. So uh, in the beginning of my campaign or beginning of my session, then I would hit all those free points if I've given them free time. But that's a continuation of last week. 
you know, so mm -hmm. at the, at the week I say, what are you going to do? And if they know they can tell me right away, or they can send me a text saying, this is what I want to do. And that like the, the day yeah. after our session, and then I will, in my mind, I'll sit down and jot a little story for how I think each one of those interactions are going to go for everybody. We're going to start the session and I'm going to hit those and then go. So in combat, it's about being, um, cinematic and it's about moving the spotlight among the players instead of just spending all your time on one guy especially if he likes to take a long time that's where i hurry him uh if he's if all he does is just roll and tell me what his role is i will then lengthen his time that person's time um you know maybe maybe a girl in our group always just rolls and tells me uh, i hit for you know 24 damage you know and I'm like, okay, you go to, to pull back your sword. And when you come to swing, you know, you hit this column instead. Uh, he falls back thinking he's about to be a hit and he lands on the ground. And then you swing around. What is it that this looks like as you didn't come in with your sword? Mm -hmm. you know, I, I will lengthen the cinematic process of that. Yeah. Um, and uh, so combat has to be cinematic in places so that it doesn't get the feeling too long. And if it does, like you said, I know this is a time where this has been going on too long. I'll bring this to a close. So yeah. combat, free time, travel. Uh, I'm not just going to sit there and make them like, you know, walk and walk and walk and walk and walk and walk and walk. We're going to make the high points, the cinematic points. Yeah. Uh, uh, and in involved in that could be the campaign. I'm trying to think of what else you said in there. Skill challenges, mm -hmm. uh, any yeah. of those. It's going to be about... Uh, imagining if this were a movie, what would, what would be exciting? Right. And that's what I'm going to point the camera at. So yeah. a lot of words there to say that in any of these things, uh, you as the GM, your job is to paint, uh, imagine uh, pictures in their minds. Right. right? Yeah. And so yeah. uh, think about the pictures you would paint. And it's easier to do those with the free time. If you've been able to kind of think about that and then start with it in the, in the combat, you know, think about, constantly like what does this look like what does this mm -hmm. look like and how yeah. can it be exciting yeah i yeah i really like that I, I like the the idea of of like ending the the session with that kind of question of like what are you doing in your downtime your free time um another thing just like adding into that too um i i am a an actually a pretty like slower processor when I'm asked a question and I think I've had to like learn how to not be slow, but that's like a, that's a muscle in a lot of ways that I've like had to, to work, you know, to like be a little quicker about things and process quicker. And so, you know, when I, you know, I look at like, even like the long links of silence, like one, I think there's times where maybe we need to we're like, oh, we need to be okay with that, uh, you know, and, mm -hmm. and let people like consider and not feel, you know, I'm, I'm in a lot of situations where I'm like leading a discussion and a thing that people even talk about is like, Hey, the six second wait, ask a question and then at least wait six seconds before trying to like follow up or, or trying to like goad them a little more to, to answer that, you know, kind of thing. And I think that can work in this situation too. And, Every, silence always seems so much longer than it actually is. Um, so just like encouraging, you know, you tailor in that of like uh, those silences may actually be people processing, but if, if they're like falling asleep or going for their phones or whatever, you know, whatever it is, like 
then we know, okay, we need to maybe have a follow-up question kind of thing, but it is a muscle. Um, you know, yeah. Rob says like, give everybody a round to think like, that's right. Uh, six seconds. Um, the, uh, it is a muscle to, to like work out and to grow in. And that idea of like the creative, I'm going to kind of come up with these ideas in this moment. So you're given that a chance when you do that, you know, for your players to, to grow in that. Um, I had seen, other, oh, go ahead. I was going to say the other part of that, and this is something I see Adam do well is you, remind people that you're about to come to them so you can say like yeah. you know Torgan's getting ready to like uh pull this you know man cover off and see what's you know below that he's going to tear into and uh, uh like him you're going to be next here uh, so you think about what you might be doing as he's getting ready to pull this off and he he rips it up mm -hmm. Torgan, this great lash comes out and you begin to fight it whatever yeah, but yeah. like because he said my name and think about what you're going to be doing next like i where I might just be sitting observing, I start thinking actively, what am I going to do because of this? And so, yeah. you know, kind of calling that or telling that person, all right, we're going to be, you know, Torgan's up next and then Eliakim and Leonis uh, after him. And then you just kind of keep talking. Uh, yeah, that can right. help knock some of that silence out too. But the other part is sometimes uh, work that silence into the story. It's like mm. you know, the statue says, what is it you've come here for? Have you come to try and steal from the sanctuary of dreams? And then closes her lips and stands in silence. You know, and then when there's mm -hmm. a silence and everybody's just yeah, standing right. there, that well, that feels like part of the story. Because you <laughs> said stands yeah. in silence and they're all like standing there. And eventually one of them's gonna be like, Well, you know, we came to do this, you know, but that that feels right. There was this mm -hmm. there was this long silence where everybody's like yeah, right. awkward, and then one starts speaking and you talk into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, something I was going back real quick to finish that thought. I um, I had seen this, and actually, we we shared it on our our Instagram. Um, it was another you know person talking about gaming and running games, and uh, they had a this idea of instead of doing the recap um, at the beginning of the the session, um, asking people questions based on things that had happened in the last session so you know uh one of our players or one of our characters ozoff had had a run-in with a mimic and it was like kind of a humbling situation but like right before that had had a situation where he was like top dog kind of thing and that was a question i asked about like okay you were in this kind of place where you had command but you walked away from it and now you're in the mud fighting this treasure chest that's trying to eat you how do you feel like how is Ozoff feeling in this moment about like being in the situation and that was like one question that was asked but it was trying to like both think about the recap but also about like what what is it moving forward and what's going on and like the hearts and minds of these players and that was cool and I really highly recommend that for one but um I got to see I thought like our table I was really excited about like even just like the growth and like explaining those things from our table of little by little as we are giving opportunities, you know, to let people create and tell stories in that way. Um, I don't know. It was just awesome to see everybody really dig into that and like actually jump in. So it really is a muscle, you know, and give give people time to to learn how to do that, too, um, I think is 
it's not always super smooth right at the beginning, but as that gets on the table, we'll get more comfortable to do that. Um, so I really like that. Um, something I I've like thought of and, um, about just like pacing, um, and the structure, something I realized as I've looked back, I kind of went through the recent game I'm running and was just like, what have these looked like? And I don't think this is like the only way to do it by any means, but a thing I've noticed with the kind of rhythm of my game, no matter what elements it is, that's being a part of this there, there's a sense of like exploration, discovery, and then like an uprooting. And that, that I think is like a pretty good way to talk about the way I run games. I've realized, and it's why I can never keep somebody just like, we're going to stay in this 10 mile square and really like delve into this um, is because of the uprooting part. So exploration, we started in Tifa's Edge. They were part of a Thieves Guild. They kind of got to know the city a little bit. They were discovering different aspects of it. And kind of once they had gotten to this point of like understanding how the city was functioning, I uprooted them by saying, hey, there's this quest kind of thing that you takes you out of the city. Did I think through that line of reasoning? No, I, I was not thinking through that. But the more and more we see that, they went to another town called Bullens and they got kind of settled and they discovered all these different aspects, new NPCs, new places, new locations, new situations that were happening. They understood that and then they got uprooted into the next place. And I could go on and on, but I'm realizing that inadvertently that's kind of the pattern that I have done with this game, um, even to recently where it's like, okay, you, you hit this like floating island of ships and there was some, it was pretty short, but there was the discovery and an understanding of how this is working and why it's working and the people that are there. And then it was like, okay, time to go again. Um, so I think we can think about that and maybe be, I, I feel like I want to be even more intentional with like, is that the rhythm that I want to continue or will it change? And like, what is that saying about the story even? Um, I, Matthew, do you see like, if you are thinking about games, do you feel like there's even like a kind of general pattern like that, that you've noticed for you? I don't know that this is where the slower processor here, I would have mm -hmm. to think through that. Um, I do know that I have my, my discovery and what was your second? It was discovery. Uh, explore, discover, uproot. Explore, discover, uproot. My exploring and discovering a few times has been long intentionally uh, because yeah. I wanted you guys to feel the weight of the time in this place instead of feeling like snapshot, 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 yeah. or quick encounter, quick encounter, quick encounter. Right. So when uh, my my party went to a place called uh, um, Vale of Tears, no, what was it? Uh, in the Frozen North. Vale of Tears. Frozen Vale of Tears, right. Yeah. Uh, they were in this place and I wanted it to feel like a grind uh, yeah. because they couldn't sleep and they couldn't renew their hit points easily right. because uh, the place was too cold all around and to like lay down and quit moving, your body would freeze and you would mm -hmm. probably die. And so they had to keep going. So that kept them from just like going into a room, <laughs> shutting the door and sleeping and re-getting everything. Yeah. And they had to go and go and it probably felt quite long to them. And that was on purpose. And then the yeah. second place was in occipitus uh oh yeah and josh you said the the frozen veil of tears was the first circle of hell well occipitus was a literal 
level of hell that they yeah. went into. And again, I wanted this to feel uh, like almost uh, a time that they were just ready to get out of because yep. they were stuck in this uh this this place that was so different for a while and i didn't want it to be a place where they could just like uh we we have a battle and then we go you know into this little hole and sleep for a day and then we go yeah. have a battle and then we sleep and you know I, I wanted to wear out some of their resources and for them to feel on the edge and like uh, almost afraid that they didn't have enough to make it through this and so for those two it was it was the pacing was longer uh, in in those places there were other times where that that was shorter uh, maybe it yeah. maybe it followed that cycle i like i said i haven't really thought through this uh, in my normal session planning uh, i haven't really thought of that meta <laughs> that meta yeah, yeah, that yeah is exactly right. happening here mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's cool I, I like with both of those i mean so for you all in the chat and who listen later who are not part of our game my character died in the frozen veils of tears and because of maybe a bad decision but also (laughs) the the slow grind and like um just wearing down of you know our resources kind of thing um that was that was really tough piece of that um but both both of those i think because the narrative of it was the grind it really worked you know too like there are times when it's like man we're still in this place like and you that's not really supposed to be the narrative thing, but it just feels like that, or it's just taking a while. I do think like those like fit and that was done really well where both, it was like a slow move through this, but it we're feeling it, you know, the whole time. Um, that's the thing, you know, as like our crew is going into the underdark, I would, I want that for that feel of like, you know, you have come down there. Are, tons and tons and tons of earth and, you know, miles of earth above you. And you're feeling this like kind of claustrophobia, you know, kind of thing as you go down through here. Um, that's something I would want for, for that situation too, is to feel that. So that's, it's really. And probably if you're in a long grind like that, know that it's not just I'm grinding. So I've been in these dungeon or these, uh, modules where it's like a super huge dungeon and it's just like slog after slog after slog of like meaningless battle meaningless battle meaningless battle against low tier or mid tier people just over and over again Uh, and their whole point is we're trying to wear out your resources and those those tend to just like mind numb me and i'm like i don't like this so Uh, even though I said it was kind of a slog <laughs> to get through, uh, I don't want it to be a mental slog. So I want them right. constantly discovering new mm-hmm. and like inspiring sorts of vistas and and items and places, yeah. even though they're in this one area they can't get out of and they can't rest necessarily. So right. I, w- I hope that as you were going through the Frozen Veil of Tears, there was enough like constant new things and mm-hmm. new areas and a new threat to yeah. discover that we're at varying levels or varying, you know, degrees that you felt like this was like interesting. And the same thing right. with uh, yeah. Occipitus, that level of hell that you guys went through. Uh, it It's not just you went over these planes and folds of skin for like 
you know, ages and you yeah. just kept fighting different small creatures. Uh, I wanted you to come to this place where there was this remembered temple that would flash back right. and forth between what it was like when it was in heaven and what it was like now that it's been thrown down the hell. And yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the same thing when you got into um, the, the place where that final uh, sacrifice was being made. And uh, all of this, uh, yeah. I didn't want it to be just like, a string of pearl fights. I wanted it to have some some flow to it, and so that's that's kind of this whole pacing idea. And I don't really know how to explain the way I come up with that stuff, except mm. for I think what would be a good story to me. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Rob Rob mentioned that in a different way. A good slog should spike character anxiety, not boredom. That's great. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. You keep talking. I got to go answer my door. This is what happens that's when you record live. I'll be right back. <laughs> No, it's all good. Yeah. Um, so I think some practical pieces, you know, that we, we talked about as you're thinking through that of like, what's the purpose of what we're doing? How do these elements fit together with purpose? Um, I, you know, love that idea of if we're like looking at downtime or travel, even um, like, what are the things that matter to the story or matter to the character development? And those can be spotlit, but also, you know, if it's not necessarily fitting in that to be able to just kind of talk through the, the narrative of it and explain that maybe ask some questions, but then kind of move on at a more like higher uh, view of things. So I'm um, just kind of, Matthew, I was just kind of like reiterating some of the things that we, we talked about there. Did you but, highlight Rob, Rob's last comment? Yeah. 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 I, I think I, it's great. I think that's true. And if you already highlighted it, I'm going to do it again yeah. anyway. The slog shouldn't uh, produce boredom. It should produce anxiety. It should yeah. heighten like this right. sense of foreboding and like anxiety. That's really, that's the best way to put it. I could have saved like 10 minutes of talking. <laughs> just saying that right there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, again, we're, we're just kind of like scratching the surface and kind of reiterating some things, um, digging into that. But uh, I think I want to move on to our MPC today. Um, okay. because, uh, I, I do want to try to hit some questions today before we're, we're done too, oh, yeah. if possible. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's hit our MPC. Our MPC cool. today is a young energetic child, right? Named Tristan. And, uh, so you have this young boy with a huge, warm, warm smile. Uh, he has dirt covered clothing. Uh, it's a byproduct of his exuberance, right? Everything he does in life is, uh, full of exuberance. Uh, he always wants to help. Uh, there are so many things that are just so interesting. Oh, what's that over there? He's like constantly being uh, distracted, right? He's distractible, full of energy, perpetually curious. Uh, he wants to find adventure and fun, but rarely realizes the danger involved. Uh, so the background here. The night that Tristan was born, there was something peculiar in the air around the campsite of the traveling theater group. Uh, passing Ferry decided to fly into the window of one of the wagons and gift the newborn Tristan with the ability to understand the ancient and forgotten language of a once powerful race. As Tristan grew, uh, his strange babblings seemed little more than childish play and no one realized their significance, save a few academics who briefly wondered why the young boy's song sounded oddly familiar. Uh, he's the quintessential chosen one, Tristan here. But uh, he hasn't realized or grown into his role yet. Fate decreed that he'd be important to the world in some fashion, and that's caused the PCs to run into him or be led to him in some way. Uh, while they need his help, his age is problematic and his curiosity is hard to handle. However, he's lovable 
uh, engenders feelings of protection in those around him, perhaps uh, another one of the fairy gifts to him. Uh, so you have this child who's been chosen in some way, uh, and this is the beautiful thing as a GM. You get to decide what that is and what his importance to your your world is going to be. Um, and he, again, he doesn't have to be the central character, and I wouldn't make him the central character. You want your PCs to be central, but he can be a super important cog of what's mm-hmm. going on in the world yeah. that has to be protected by, by your PCs. They have to, first of all, recognize his importance. And uh, he's constantly like kind of throwing himself into a place where he could be dangerously hurt. And so yeah. your, your, your PCs are having to watch out for him. I like this kind of, uh, of an NPC because it gives you so much freedom to tell uh, epic stories through Uh, Just the places he leads them. And once they begin to realize that he may know this language that nobody else remembers. And he, he like has this uh, innate thing that leads him to places. And maybe we need to follow that a little bit. And, but at the same time, we can't just let him go wherever he wants or he's going to die. And so. Right. Yeah. 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 I was thinking about like, um, what, what does like bringing a child NPC into the mix do you know like that that's a different kind of thing where it's like oh we'll have this we have this like paladin walking you know with us who's an npc who can like hold their own in battle or this wise mage but then like you bring in a child or or somebody who maybe doesn't have quite as much uh ability to go you know fight the troll and um like what do you do with that I, i think that's in like an interesting kind of mix and I, I really like um I really like NPCs that the party will like care for. Like I that's a that's a not not just like oh we like them, but if this kid is in the mix and like traveling, you know, with your party or something, you you're gonna need to take care of him. <laughs> not not just let him go frolicking into the dungeon, you know, on his own. And um I think, you know, but um I, I like people like that. Like one one of my game in, in my game uh there was a uh uh oh man shoot I forgot the awesome name of it. Um yeah the little cat girl or the Yeah little, she was a little cat girl. Um <laughs> Josh is in girl. here. He uh curious <laughs> spirit yeah curious spirit curious um thank spirit. you Josh um curious spirit and you know, thankfully Josh's character was like extra, like care, care about that, uh, that, uh, character. But I, I really like when there's those kind of relationships that are formed. I love Rob's summon Liaman's tiny daycare. <laughs> they, my party actually has a thing similar to that, that they probably would do that with. But, uh, um, <laughs> Uh, I think you if did actually. Daycare, you you mean shoving in. them in the fortress and then locking it. That's <laughs> that daycare. It, it wasn't a kid, but you guys did that to uh to one of the NPCs. So, um, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I like that kind of situation because um, I tend to either put child NPCs in the game, and they are like meant to be for that to like grow affection and protection for. Or they're like not really a kid and they're like completely evil, you know, kind of thing. Like that's like my, my two ways of using um, like kid characters is that of like, no, this is actually like a, a devil inside a kid form, you know, and that gets freaky too. But um, 
I think I like about Tristan too is, and it's not always again about like making an encounter, but my thought is this is one of those situations where if, if the party has an interest in the power or the knowledge or the blessing that has been given to Tristan, there probably are other people in the world who also are interested in those things, you know, and that may cause like issues or situations that, that, you know, he's now put into because of that. And the beautiful thing is you can use some of those little sing songy things he makes up uh, that you begin to realize are prophetic verse of this yeah. old language. And it's yeah. like, uh, they begin to unravel some things. So you can right. drop some lore through this child. As yeah, that's a good idea. I have yeah. used children in a different way. I had a, a like a Lord of the Flies type child who had tattoos all over his body in this like weird Mohawk oh, yeah. warriors top knot. With uh, a, he had a big bat with spikes sticking out of it. And uh, he was like kind of making fun of our PCs because of their lack of ability as he <laughs> led them through right. orc infested mountains. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about so, that kid. But he was just like this kid who was like super nimble and able to hide and you know. Uh, you had the own. kid that was the like undoer also that oh, was yes. we all were freaked out about because we didn't know what he could do, but he was threatening us and yeah, that was that was good times too. Yeah. Like I'm about to get zapped by this kid who can't control his emotions. <laughs> so, yeah. So there you go. An NPC, young child who has been blessed by the fae, by the fairy. Yeah. All right. Let's get to these Haversack questions. Yeah, let's get jump in the Haversack for a little bit. If we can. Um, so we have a we have a new Haversack writer, I think, as far as I know. Um, this is Adam Whiteside. Questions for the Haversack. Um, he's got three here. Um, hey, Matthew and Adam. I'm trying to create a world for my players for an upcoming campaign. Uh, I really enjoyed your three-part series on planning campaigns, arcs, and sessions, and it's been extremely helpful. However, the campaign I want to run will likely involve some amount of intrigue and politics, which means I'm going to need a lot of NPCs. I'm not a very confrontational person, and it's hard for me to maintain a straight face or keep a tense atmosphere without cracking a joke to diffuse or deflect some of the stress. I sometimes freeze in the face of, face of pressure as well, which leads to breaks in my persona while I check what my NPC knows and how they might respond. Um, this challenge leads to my three questions. One, how do you keep yourselves in character when voicing an NPC and remember what they know or how they act in the moment to, to start with? So I have some thoughts on that. First of all, as far as keeping in character, uh, I know new GMs sometimes have a hard time remembering, like, what was the character I gave them? I did. I used to have that all the time. I'd kind of start with one character, and then I would melt into another character and then move. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. uh, so one thing I, I generally do when I know I'm going to have a lot of NPCs, uh, I'll get... I'll just go scouring for lots of pictures uh, and I find somebody who looks like what I think they're going to look like and I keep that picture and then I will also, if I'm going to try and use a voice, and I think I've said this in earlier episodes, I used to have this little uh, digital recorder, but now we all have phones with a voice recorder on them. You can use those as well. And uh, I'll go through and I'll like try to say something like that person would say it. So, uh, and I, I talked about how I used to drive down the highway, just reading every sign, uh, talking to myself in this voice to try and get comfortable with that. Yeah. So I'm going along and I'm looking at him like, oh, there's a golden corral over there. I wonder who eats at the golden corral anyway. And I'll talk like that and I'll be like, this is going to be that guy. And I'm going to always talk like this for that guy. And so I'll do that into the voice recorder and I'll talk and I'll say, this is some of the stuff I might say if I was 
this NPC character. Right. Yeah. And then I'll name it that NPC character. And I'll uh, then, you know, when I'm getting ready to go into a night where that NPC is going to talk, I'll listen to that and I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's the way he talks. And I'll have to yeah. remember that that's the accent he has and not another one. And uh, so that's how I kind of remember. But as far as like what knowledge do they have, that can be a hard thing. You're going through and you're trying to remember what exactly it is they know and don't know. I, I, and I don't think my players have any trouble with this, uh, but I'm, say I'm talking like someone and I'm, they ask me some question. I'll be like, hold on a second while I check and see if I know that. And I'll look down at my notes <laughs> and just do it in your voice. Keep your voice going and yeah, talk yeah. like you're the whole time. Be like, I think I might know about that. Let me check right. <laughs> and I'll look and then I'll come back. And yeah. uh, I, I think they're, they, they totally love to see that you're staying in the character, even when you're just checking to see what you really know, instead of getting like flummoxed and, and flustered by this question. And then you're like, oh, uh, hold on. Um, uh, you know, just keep talking, yeah, keep talking yeah. in, in character while you're looking. And then yeah. even if you mess up and say, oh, wait, I said that the spider had eight friends. Really, the spider is one of a hundred of her kind. I just realized, and you can point that as you're saying, I just realized your yeah. characters know, your characters yeah. know you have a lot of information to keep up there, but just keep in the yeah. character because what they want is fun and they want to yeah, get an right. idea of what is this personality of this person like, this NPC. And, you know, so when you're Lord Seabury and you're talking and they say, uh, Lord Seabury, do, are you going to try this person right now and kill him? And you're like, uh, according to the statutes, we have to, yes. Yes, we're going to kill him now. Um, you know, whatever yeah, it is, yeah. stay in your character and they'll uh, they'll be yeah. fine with you looking that stuff up. Yeah, yeah. As far as like how you keep that information, I've had so many different methods from, uh, you know, using software to using, I think you said you use a note card or this is a different question. <laughs> yeah. Second question uh, is, it's kind of rolling yeah. into this. How do you create or record your NPCs? I use an index card with a few snippets and quotes that help define the character, but do you guys have a different method? So we can kind of move into that too. Yeah. So moving into that, I've, I've done everything from like huge stat blocks uh, if I think they're going to fight um, to if if it's just a person, I'll have like, you know, note cards with some yeah. stuff. Sometimes I just have, you know, like my notebook and I have all these names in them and I'm like, man, I got to somehow keep these and I'll take a highlighter and just highlight the names so that I can like look and, and see where each NPC is. Uh, I think that's going to kind of flow. I'm also yeah. less organized. I'm that guy who like loves to write game ideas down, but I have like 17 different notebooks I write in and I'm like, I know I wrote this in <laughs> one of them. And so I'm not probably the best one. Adam, how do you do this? How do you record and keep your yeah. NPCs and their information straight? Maybe you do a much more organized thing than me. Although I have a feeling you don't. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little of a disorganized person too. Uh, <laughs> lately though, um, uh, this, okay. Too many thoughts in my brain at the same time. <laughs> Um, I really like, and I've, this is a influence from you, Matthew, but, um, I love the, having the picture, um, and being able to use that to remind me of, okay, this is what this person sounds like as I'm looking at them, what I think they sound like. Um, that's the thing I've used. So if you're, you know, one, if it's like, I've, these are known NPCs, like I know that this NPC is going to cross my people's path. You can do a little more work in that of, try to have a picture or at least like jot some ideas down about like, you know, they look like Oscar the Grouch. I don't know, like that kind of thing. Um, I don't know why that came to mind, but that's the one, uh, you know, and you can at least, they sound 
quasi-Irish and they are motivated by that. That's a thing I've talked about a lot, but like that motivation idea of that can get me really far if I'm remembering what are they actually motivated by? This shopkeeper is motivated by the fact that they just are trying to take care of their family. Like that is their whole point is trying to make enough money to feed their family or they're motivated by massive amounts of greed. Those are going to be two very different shopkeep experiences. Um, so like motivation is a huge thing. Um, and yeah. so I will, you know, keep that marked down somewhere. Um, we, we are, our, our group right now is doing like a, you know, we'll meet for two weeks online. So roll 20, or, you know, if you use like foundry or maybe some other kind of, uh, virtual tabletop. Um, if you can have, you know, even like pictures, like handouts and you can do like a GM notes kind of thing, those can be in there or it can just be in like a Google doc or written down on your journal, you know, kind of thing. But the three by five card thing I've used, um, to do that. If they're, um, like on the spot NPCs, I tend to make notes in the moment where it's like, you know, uh, yeah, this is the, uh, arrow, arrow merchant, uh, Michael Jorgensen. And like, I'm like writing down on my note, you know, Michael Jorgensen, arrow Fletcher, um, merchant. Uh, and then as I start talking, I'm like making notes to just remind myself because one, I want to put that in my stuff later. Cause it's like when they come back to Bullens and they're like, we want to talk to Michael Jorgensen. He's got the best arrows in the, the country. You know, it's like, Oh shoot. Who's Michael Jorgensen. And I can like flip through and be like, Oh yeah. Bullens, Michael Jorgensen. Okay. Um, <laughs> yep. that happens a lot. And I've, I've been in more positions lately, um, where, uh, I've actually had to do things on the fly. Um, just the way the games, different games, not our Thursday game, but, um, doing that. And so I have to make notes and then kind of keep track of that. Um, one thing, what was the commercial where something like really awkward happened and they're like, it was, I feel like as a candy bar commercial, they would t like take a bite of the candy bar to give them time to think. Do you know what I'm talking about? This is, this I is don't. probably, this is, from I don't watch I TV very often. <laughs> I can't remember. Maybe somebody in the chat knows that, but, um, this is like old, like within the last probably 10 years ago. Um, but it'd be like, like the record would skip and they'd be like, and take a bite. And then they'd think during that. I think there's something, you know, like have a glass of water <laughs> next to you, <laughs> a cup of coffee, you know, and I use that sometimes where somebody asks me a question and I need a little extra time. I'm like, you know, take a, take a drink as I consider it. And probably everybody's like, Oh, he's thinking, but that really does like, um, if you need that, um, to do something like that. I like the idea of, uh, if it's like a shopkeep, a lot of times I'm like, they're asked like, well, how, what would, you know, this thing cost? And it's like, Oh, let me, let me check my, let me check my ledgers here and like start flipping through the book, you know, or, um, things to, to think through that kind of thing. I, I do think there's a useful, that's a useful tool there. So, yeah. and um, if, uh, if you have a lot of NPCs, whether you've made them up before or as you're making them up on the fly, try and come up with like 
their catchphrase. We recently just watched uh, Free Guy again, and I always laugh when they put dude in, and he's like not fully uh, made, and he's like something something catchphrase, and he just says the word catchphrase <laughs> <laughs> because they hadn't yet finished the code. Uh, but I think that's that's a true thing. You know, so many video game makers do this because it helps you quickly identify a person. If if you have an NPC who says, oh, yeah, we can get that done. Skippity flip, you know, skippity flip. That's stupid. But like if you write that down and then like every time your people come to town, you're yeah, like, yeah. and you wrote down, we can get that done. Skippity flip. You'll remember everything about that character right. just from seeing that line. Yeah, and they yeah. come in there like, we want to talk to Jorgensen, whatever your name for him, Michael Jorgensen. Michael Jorgensen it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, we get that done skippity flip i know who that guy is uh even if you just write his name and his catchphrase uh, yeah. each time uh, for people and, and maybe you're like well i don't know if i can come up with all those different catchphrases well yeah that that's something different i guess yeah right <laughs> start listening for lots of catchphrases in the world and and mimic them yep. <laughs> maddie you got time to finish this one yeah let's do Perfect. one uh, also i want to give a call out chris case in the chat it's good to see you Glad you can make it for this one. Um, and I think the, Snickers uh, sounds like a great guest because Snickers that is, was my first yeah. thought, even though I don't watch a lot of TV. Snickers just seems like that's it's like kind of yeah. need a minute. It's that was what it was. It was need a minute, need a moment, grab a Snickers. I'm pretty sure that was the the thing. So Boom. we'll have to look that up later. All right. Um, the third one, how do you get your players to negotiate with enemy NPCs without forcing them uh, forcing them to in some fashion? I've never once managed to get a PC to talk to a villain or just a petty thief without playing the I know something you don't know card, which feels so forced and cheesy. Negotiation with enemy NPCs. So I'm assuming this means negotiating mean not just come in swords swinging, but like actually talk to your NPC before, yeah. you know, so that there can be some some of that banter. Uh, for me, it's just, again, in character, I just address them straight on. Uh, they they come in and it's like uh, they start to run at me. Maybe they make their first swing, whether they hit or they miss. Uh, I would have them jump back and say, so you're just going to come in swinging? That's all you've got? What are you, some sort of brainless barbarian? Have you no, you know, and I'll just, I'll taunt them, you know, and yeah, talk yeah. to them and get them to talk back. Or I'll say, oh, so you want to swing your sword before you even find out? that I have the, you know, and in the name of right. something, <laughs> I, I'm just off top. But I, th I think just like, you know, talking to them, uh, maybe calling them out on the fact that all they're doing is fighting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think about that. Great radio. As I sit here, um, the, uh, <laughs> It is tough. Um, I, I do think that's tough, especially when if like if it has been established that this is a, an enemy or a villain, you know, um, I do think it's hard for you to have much time. But um, I, I do like that taking the moment to monologue <laughs> a little bit, you know, and you got me monologuing again. Um, <laughs> uh, I did a thing recently um, where and there, there were other reasons for it, but one of one of the things was that uh, this rogue avatar that is kind of becoming um, a threat to the group and to the world um, had a negotiation a little bit with with the party, but it wasn't really like 
the actual person they uh, spoke through a form, you know, kind of thing. And it ended in combat, um, which I thought it would uh, <laughs> probably, unless everybody changed the course of the the game drastically. Um, but that was a way I knew, like I could have a time. Um, so I think even like doing, having some situations where, you know, the, in this case, it was like, basically it was a golem that was being sp like spoken through to talk to them. So even though combat happened, it wasn't like, oh, they just fought the big bad um, in in full kind of thing. Um, maybe using uh, distance like that. I was thinking in terms of like using distance to be able to create this and still have the threat of violence. You could use a magic mirror that they speak through or a crystal ball, or, you know, kind of thing. Like those are ways to have communication that's not going to end necessarily you can even do you know like a sending spell um you know that maybe the the big bad guy is or um been scrying on the party and has now sent this picture or sent this message to them and there's communication that can happen i can't remember if you can actually communicate back and forth with sending but um doing something like that where there's a conversation that happens and threats uh or, or negotiations that can happen from afar um, can help. Um, but in person, a lot of times my expectation is that they're going to probably come to blows pretty quickly if the PCs feel like they have a chance. And usually even if they don't feel like they have a chance, that's going to happen. Um, but like Matthew said, if you're, you're bringing in, if they want to talk, I feel like usually there's at least a pause to like listen to what the enemy has to say for a brief time at least that's my thoughts um kind of to end here um so also adam says also the setting is going to be the sci-fi and gritty world of eberron um if either of you have any experience with that world or steampunk-esque rpgs like blades in the dark tips would be appreciated thanks for all the advice and supporting the sending gms like me you guys are great adam w um i don't have experience with eberron really um Unfortunately, I wish I could speak into that a little bit too. I'd say the only more steampunk related things that I've experienced is the game Upwind, which Matthew and I both have played, um, where it's kind of in that realm of like flying ships and and such. But uh, I don't know, you have any thoughts on that, Matthew? Yeah, I haven't done anything in Eberron either. And uh, I typically have been either fantasy or sci-fi but I love the idea of steampunk and I'll bring steampunk elements into my games. Um, but I don't know that I can necessarily be one to give like any pointers or advice on that. Uh, yeah. Cause I haven't done a lot in that genre. Yeah. I usually try to like, whatever it is, just try to take some time to immerse in it. Um, so like when we've done other things, uh, when we played red markets, like I, I got a little more into like just re watching and researching like zombie style uh, stories. Um, or whenever I'm like the Sentinel comics RPG, I took a lot of time. Like I pulled out all my old comic books from when I was a kid and flipped through them and like listen to some podcasts about comic books and things like that, you know, trying. So my recommendation, not knowing really anything about Eberron is, is like, dig into that and see what other people have to say who who do know it well um 
And I think that can be a really good thing to just like kind of have that story and that setting kind of in and My you. guess is if you're running something steampunk in a place like this, it's probably because you like steampunk. And so you probably already know a lot about that. Trust, trust your instinct on that. Go with the things you love, uh, the things that were exciting to you uh, when you first started reading, watching, you know, being involved with steampunk. Uh, yeah, like I said, immerse yourself in it and uh bring up a lot of the you know as you're starting out just bring up all the tropes you know uh, that you have seen in in steampunk type uh, yeah. situations yeah. and uh and then you know you'll start to eventually kind of find your own niche in those places your yeah own for niche. sure yeah so <laughs> yeah well guys thank you so much i'm sorry we didn't get through all the questions we do have to cut short here a little bit today but uh do join us next week next week we're going to be talking about let me look at the sheet here we're going to be have a guest oh sorry We've i got jumped a in guest yeah oh, that's um, great eric bright so, will be back on with us and what are we going to be talking about uh, we're going to be talking about the specific game iron sworn um eric talked a little bit about that when he came on before but we're going to dig do a little deeper dive into Iron Swarm, which is a really fun game. Um, so, so join us yeah. next time as we talk with Eric Bright about the game Iron Sworn, and uh, we will get back into that haversack and finish off more of those questions. All that and more here on yeah. Rise of the GM. Yep. Thanks, guys. Thanks all for being here.